With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to the Gaggle podcast, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Michael Squires, the politics editor at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. This week on the Gaggle, we focus on one issue. President Donald Trump's proposed wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. It's been hotly debated for two years since Trump launched his campaign for president, and it's an issue the Arizona Republic and journalists from across the USA Today network have spent the past nine months reporting on. We'll discuss whether a wall, which some estimate could cost as much as $60 billion, could be built and where Arizona's delegation stands on that, and we'll look at what happened when Arizona tried to build its own border wall but we begin with the Arizona Republic's top editor, Nicole Carroll, who launched this nine-month effort to report on the wall. Nicole, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So what were the big questions you were looking to answer with this reporting effort? Well, you know, like you said, this has been a big part of, uh, was a big part of Trump's campaign. It really hit home for me when I was at the Trump rally in Prescott Valley last fall, and I was in the press pen with many of our journalists and just surrounded by people saying, you know, build the wall, build the wall with such passion. And our job is not to tell people how to think, but our job is to make sure they have the right information. So there was such passion. I just thought we really owe it to our public to all these folks to really look into what would it take to build a wall? Can a wall be built? You know, who would it help? Who would it hurt? What would the consequences be and how much would it cost? So it, it is an interesting topic in that it, it seems to convey, it seems to be a metaphor for a lot of people for border security, for the kind of country they want to have, that kind of thing. Was the idea, okay, we'll take this metaphor, then we'll look at the details and see does it pan out when you actually want to implement that as policy? Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's easy to talk in shorthand, and um, that's what happened for quite a bit during the campaign, but our job as journalists is to get into the details. Okay, let's take that promise, let's take that uh, idea and find out what it would really take to do it and then what it would mean for those along the border if it happened. So let's talk about some of those details. How did you set people out to report on this? You know, the, you know, the interesting thing is not only did I feel that it was our role to do this, I really felt it was our responsibility. The USA Today Network, which we're part of, also has newspapers and uh, websites in California, New Mexico, and Texas. So we have more journalists on the border than I would think any other media organization. So we have that expertise. We're not helicoptering in to cover a topic. We know this topic. So what we did is we got all those experts in a room from Palm Springs, Ventura, El Paso, Las Cruces, Corpus Christi, uh, some folks from our national uh, headquarters, and we talked about what are the issues we brought in outside experts to educate us, to really take us up, get us all up to speed uh, on findings, on research. And we really talked
talked about, okay, if we're going to do this, let's make sure we have every viewpoint we can possibly come up with. So we have migrants, we have ranchers, farmers. We talked to um, vigilantes, spent some time with them. We spent time with Border Patrol. We um, spent time with Brian Terry's family, uh, the Border Patrol agent who was killed on the U.S.-Mexico border to find out what they thought. So we really made a very big effort to make sure that we could take a 360-degree look at this issue. We probably need to say we can't really, in a few minutes, do justice to the mm-hmm. quantity and the quality of this content. I mean, we, we looked at it from the air, from the road, uh, you know, in border cities and towns and in some of the most desolate outback that, in the southwest. What, what were, like, the surprising findings that, that you saw as an editor sending these reporters out, things that maybe you didn't expect to see? One of our big findings was in Texas. So about half of the border is is, is Texas border, and most of Texas is unfenced. I think most people realize we have about 650 miles of fence total on the U.S.-Mexico border. Of the 650 miles, um, only about 300 um, miles of that is pedestrian fence. The rest of it is vehicle barrier. So of 2,000 miles, only about 300 miles are meant to stop pedestrians. And Texas is wide open. Next to some other cities, they have pedestrian fence, but there's you could go 600 miles without a fence in Texas. So one of the things we did is we pulled the property maps, digital property maps, for the 13 counties that um, front the river, the Rio Grande in Texas. And we found out that if Texas were to be walled off, and that's the big part of wide open border right now, it could impact about 4,900 parcels of property. Um, That's a big concern in Texas where they revere private property rights. Back with the 2006 Secure Fence Act, they had a a series of eminent domain where they had about 300 cases. Some of those cases are still working their way through the system nine years later. So if that was 300 cases and you could possibly have 4,900 cases, that's a big deal to be able to physically construct a wall in Texas. We've talked a lot about physical barriers, high mountains, deep canyons, certainly where the, the Rio Grande is there, Big Bend. But maybe... Uh, the courtroom could be one of the bigger barriers to, to getting the thing, the entire thing built. Absolutely. Again, you know, the, there's the cases that have been going on for nine years. People have died fighting their cases. So if you think about, you know, extrapolate that across 4,900 cases, and again, that's an estimate. That's how many pieces of property are within 500 feet of the Rio Grande. We don't know where the wall could go or would go or how far it would go. But assuming you want to wall off Texas, that's a pretty big impact. You could be in litigation for decades. What do you hope people take away from reading this? You know, I hope they take away that this is not a simple issue. Um, You know, I hope they take the time to watch the videos, read the stories, explore the map. One of the things I, you know, want to make sure we touch on is that we did this um, two-week helicopter flight across the border. And through that, we were able to to map every piece of current fencing on the border. Along with that, we were able to match up the aerial video so you can point to any part on the map and you can see for yourself exactly what's there. We did that for a reason. We wanted to give people the raw material. Here's exactly where the fence is. Here's exactly what the border looks like. You can go make up your own mind. And But in addition to just the facts, the where where is the fence and where is not the fence, we want to make sure you hear from the people. You listen to the tribal members. Listen to the ranchers. You know, spend that time on the border with the vigilantes who are on vacation and giving up their own time and money to do what they think is right for their country. So it's, to me, it's fascinating how many different perspectives 
that many people have not yet considered when they talk about building a wall. So part of this we should mention is you interviewed a lot of the reporters who worked on this for Mm -hmm. a series of podcasts. How would people find those? Uh, If you go on SoundCloud or wherever you find podcasts, just search for USA Today, The Wall, and you'll find it. So what I did is I interviewed uh, 10 different reporters about their experiences as they went through this reporting. You know, again, part of that transparency, I want our readers and our listeners to get to know our reporters as regular people who are, you know, doing their very best to bring them this story. And then along the way, there's just some really interesting and sometimes funny stories of what happens to our reporters when they're out there, you know, in the middle of nowhere trying to report this story. So it'll be worth your time. I hope you go and and download it. And where do they find the entire project? The entire project is at thewall.usatoday.com. Joining me now to discuss whether Congress in general and Arizona's delegation in particular are on board are Ron Hansen and Dan Nowicki. They cover Congress for the Republic. So, Ron, we, along with some others in the USA Today Network, surveyed Congress to gauge where lawmakers are right now. What did they have to say? A lot of the members, they didn't really want to say anything. A lot of the members did not respond to our request for the survey. Um, Democrats were the exception. Uh, Many of them did respond. Republicans generally did not. And as it related to substantively their views on the wall, this broke down again on party lines with Republicans voting for a House measure that provided funding for the wall in general, but uh, there wasn't a lot of additional color offered by their offices in terms of their views on this uh, other than what they've previously said at various times. And Democrats were pretty uh, out front about their opposition to it. They view it as a waste of money and, and not accomplishing much by way of security. So if you go back to the last time the federal government tried to Uh, use a physical barrier to secure the border, the Fence Act in 05, it got Democratic support. What's changed in that? Is this just, if Trump's for it, they have to be against it? I think that's probably part of it. Uh, The the whole tenor of this issue has been sort of taken over by uh, the way Donald Trump framed immigration generally and and, uh, the, um, the issue of putting up a wall in, in terms of how it will be paid for and how high and, and how stridently he described the entire issue seemed to really uh, put this put Democrats in a defensive posture from the jump. And I, I don't think that has changed much in his tenure in, in the White House. So, Dan, looking at Arizona's delegation, does it break down along the same partisan lines as Congress as a whole? Well, sort of. Uh, Senator John McCain, obviously, he's been worked on worked on border issues for years and years, uh, supportive of comprehensive immigration reform, including uh, a lot of border security and the various plans that have been offered in the past. He's not big on the idea of a border wall. He likes uh, border security. He thinks it can be done with technology. He thinks it can be done, you know, fencing in some areas. Uh, he doesn't think that a wall is the, is the right solution, but having said all that, he he also told us in an appearance before the Republic's editorial board that he's not against the money, but uh, for the wall, but he thinks that it you know probably could be spent in a better way. Senator Jeff Flake, uh, also against the wall, at least in the form of a brick and mortar contiguous structure across the border, as Trump has described at various times. He said uh, if it's just for a wall, he's against it. If 
you know, Trump administration is using it as a metaphor for stronger border security, then he can go along with that. So there's sort of a, uh, I don't want to say it's a joke, but just sort of uh, this kind of recurring episode where McCain, when he'd run for re-election, would be, uh, we got to build the, you know, the famous build the dang fence act. Which came from the Secure Fence Act of 2006. What, I mean, what is it about a wall that it occupies? I'm like, what corner of politics does this, does this occupy that it is sort of a go-to uh, symbol or... I think it's just easy to understand uh, if you're so concerned about border security, if you're concerned about too much un- undocumented immigration, then a wall is kind of a symbol of, for stopping that. Then if it is that, then why has there been such difficulty? I mean, like the, the project that uh, the USA Today and the Arizona Republic are rolling out shows that, I mean, way less than half of the border has any kind of barrier on it. And the ones with barrier, only about half would do anything to limit like a pedestrian crossing. You know, sometimes just vehicle barrier where you could easily just hop over it. You know, why has not more been built if it's such a powerful image? Well, it's it's probably not the most practicable use of resources on the border. And I think most people understand that, uh, even though it is popular with the, the no amnesty base as an idea and as a metaphor and even literally, um, you know, people on the ground out there kind of realize that uh, it's not the best solution all the way uh, across the border. One other issue that that comes up when you talk about the fence and the barriers that have been put up so far is that this is some pretty tough terrain in, in a lot of places, and the resources it requires to be able to put up a fence or a wall or whatever uh, barrier you want to put there um, becomes very challenging when you talk about some of the mountainous areas, some of the more remote, uh, distant from re- metro areas where you find the resources necessary. It's just, it's an expensive undertaking, and there's relatively light human traffic there, generally speaking, so it becomes a, a cost-benefit issue as well. And you, you'd have to, in some areas, build roads uh, and infrastructure just to get uh, the materials and the workers to the point where you want to build a wall. So, so looking at 2018, though, we have uh, Jeff Flake up for re-election. He's got a Republican challenger who's trying to carve out some space on the right of him, or you know, trying to be more conservative on immigration and a host of other issues. Um, and then, you know, a number of interesting House races. How does this issue play into it? Does does it play in Arizona, or is this something where? Like elsewhere in the country, you'd see more interest in this as a campaign issue. I think in the Republican primary uh, for, for uh, the Senate race, it's definitely going to play an issue. That's something Jeff Lake has to articulate his position. Uh, Kelly Ward, his opponent, has a pretty clear position. She's going to mix the mortar to fix the border or <laughs> well, whatever the sl- catchy slogan is. But, uh, you know, Flake's got more nuanced. He, he obviously has supported border security over the years in, in various forms. He's not for the border wall, though, so he's going to have to articulate that and explain his position and sell it to uh, Republican voters. And in the House race uh, in Arizona that, that probably will get the most attention next year is, uh, for now, is Martha McSally's district that includes the southeastern border in Arizona. And she's been supportive of things like technological fixes, and she wants to take advantage of uh, 
increased staffing and, and just being more resourceful uh, by the government. remember, but not too long ago, Arizona wanted to build its own border wall. Mary Jo Pitzel was covering the legislature and had a front row seat. She's here to talk about how it played out. Mary Jo, how did this idea come about? Well, it was way back in 2011 in the aftermath of the infamous Senate Bill 1070. Um, Illegal immigration was a hot, hot issue at the legislature, and it wasn't enough to just pass (laughs) 1070 and get that signed into law. Um, Our lawmakers decided that they also wanted to build a wall on the border between Arizona and Mexico. So they passed a bill to say that, and they set up a fund to collect donations from the public. They were not going to use uh, public dollar, uh, taxpayer dollars. And why did they make that decision? (laughs) Well, they didn't have a lot of support from the governor because she was off busy after having signed 1070, Governor Brewer was pretty busy raising money for her own legal defense fund um, to defend that law. She didn't want to take any firepower away from that. And I think, you know, they're good conservative Republicans. They don't really want to tap out the taxpayers on this. So they And they figured the way the atmosphere was in the state and the nation that they could pull in a bunch of money. But they estimated they'd need about $50 million to build a wall along the 200-some miles um, that they had targeted. And how much did they end up raising? About six-tenths of a percent (laughs) of that amount. Um, After about uh, two years, they had reached $277,000, but that was just a drop in the bucket to what what they needed. They kept sort of flogging the idea. Actually, it went really quiet for a long time, and they gave up in 2015 and said, okay, this isn't going to work. So this is like GoFundMe before the days of GoFundMe. Somewhat. But the, you know, the money did not go. Well, we're not quite sure really what happened with the money. The legislative committee that was set up to oversee all this said, okay, well, we're going to give it to the Cochise County Sheriff's Office, and he can use it to help establish a virtual fence. Now, I've checked um, with the Sheriff's Office, haven't heard back to see if you know, it's been two years. Did they use any of that money for thermal cameras or GPS systems? That was the idea. So we'll be reporting back on that. Well, putting that dollar figure, you say 277000 the prototypes that they're building of Trump's border wall would cost uh, $300,000 each, and they'd be 30 feet long. So 300000 So that's, uh, based on this money, you would have bought about 30 feet of offense uh, for Arizona. Well, you know, I thought they were just heading for Lego sets. But wait, this idea is not dead. I talked to former state Senator Al Melvin. He was um, on the committee that was overseeing this hoped-for border wall. He's got a better idea. He is now reaching out to people in the White House, and he thinks he wants the White House and President Trump to set up um, a website and open up a fund, a GoFundMe page, to build a border wall to supplement it. And as <laughs> Senator Melvin said, he goes, all we need is a couple tweets, you know, from the president. That should take care of it. He believes their problem a couple years ago was just lack of marketing. And who can market better than the tweeter in chief? Thank you for listening to the Gaggle Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at MG Squires. And you can find me at Nicole underscore Carol. 
I'm Dan Nowicki at Dan Nowicki. Ron Hansen. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. This is Mary Jo Pitzel. You can reach me at Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L, on Twitter. Our production team is Jojo Huckaba, Haley Sanchez, and Kaylee White. Please subscribe to the show and review it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. We'll see you next week.